Oh yeah, that's some somebody's grandmother mm. probably had them, and then was like, I, "I never wear these." Charles, take them to the secondhand store. <laughs> Give the poor people a chance to access this luxury. I still pay two hundred and fifty dollars for them. <laughs> that's poor for somebody's old grandma that never opened them. Like she just flips over cushions and finds hundreds and fifties, and is like, "I guess I'll take the kids out for dinner." With our loose change. <laughs> I didn't realize we were recording. I I love though like all of our B-roll and stuff because it really does show like this is just who we are all the time. Hey y'all, what's up? Thank you for tuning in to episode 46 of That's Not How That Works. Today on the show, Weez and I are celebrating some very important milestones that we will share with you, and we're going to have a very important conversation about safety and what it means in the context of our work. Enjoy the show. Hey, y'all. Hi, friends. What's up? Welcome to That's Not How That Works. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know why that was applicable, but I'm really excited to be recording today. Me too, because it hasn't been just you and I for a while. Yeah, we batched a bunch of episodes mm -hmm, with some really amazing people and some dope voices. And we still have some that haven't even been released that we're planning to release and do Mm -hmm. some other cool. We're doing fun, fun things with. But we have something to celebrate. We're excited. I think we have two things to celebrate. We have lots of things to celebrate. First and foremost, we just literally realized a month late. We realized a month late that we've been fully podcasting for a year. So we, yeah, I'm like, it's, I don't like, I don't have words for like the way my brain hasn't wrapped around. I'm like, oh shit, we've been doing this for a year. That is commitment. It really is. And like, to be fair, people are going to listen and be like, but I saw that that's not how that works came out. We have been podcasting. That's not how that works is a secondary iteration. So, hey, auntie came out. A year ago, we did seven episodes and then, you know, we had the evolution, listen to episode eight for the backstory on that. Um, But yeah, but we've been doing this. Yeah, we've been podcasting almost weekly for a year. Yeah. And so we will be celebrating the one year birthday of That's Not How That Works. That's how that works. In June. Yeah. And it is, we still want to take a second to just recognize that like we've been committed to this process of mm-hmm. sitting down in front of a computer <laughs> and we've spoken weekly. We've spoken every week, probably multiple times a week, most weeks for the last year. Yeah. We have become like besties. Like yeah. we are like yeah, so seriously. No, it's, it's super true. And it's interesting because I think it, even like our families and our friends realize it because like my parents and friends are always like, Oh, how's Trudy? Or if they hear something on the podcast, they're like, is she okay? How are the kids? Or like, how's Tito or whatever. Right. Like it's, yep. Same, same on this side. I'll be talking and Kennedy's like, is that Weez? Like, tell me I said, what's up? Like, Tito's always asking, like, if we're right. gonna, like, when they found out that we're going to be in Vancouver together, he was like, oh, that's so cool that she's going to come up. I was like, and then we planned all our extra stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Maybe yeah. we should release the birthday videos that I've sent to everyone in your family. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> birthday videos, we should, we'll put it in the podcast, in the podcast. Um, but in yeah, no, we definitely, we've, we've for sure become, like, family yeah totally I wouldn't trade you for anything girl oh girl same here (laughs) so so it's been an incredible year yeah Um, and thank you to everyone who has been on this journey with us like Like, every time a new person reaches out to us I'm almost like it's always like the first time I'm like you listen to us like you're learning yes it's working 
I know. It's so, it's amazing when I get like emails or when people mm-hmm. will send me an inbox and say, Hey, like I've been listening for a while and yeah. I haven't, you know, didn't know if I should reach out, like reach out to us. If you're I, listening to this, yes. like we want to know who you are. Like if you're not on Facebook, it's cool. Like, you know, hit us up in the DMs or Instagram or send us an email. Like, yeah, just yes. Thank you. And for that all is people on Patreon. Like, yeah, all of y'all, all of y'all. Been, yeah it's It's been amazing yeah and And that's also why oh way more yeah all all the years of podcasting actually no it'll become a show but um but that's also why I love the the Facebook group right so if anyone's listening and hasn't joined the Facebook group yet like yeah we do educating and we share articles and stuff like that but we also just like commune with each other and like share wins and like post funny things and like talk shit and you know whatever like it's we have a lot of fun in there too and I love it because we get to like actually build community with all of you guys yeah that's like my my what I'm, I'm not great about like being in the Facebook group like to like post to write and and do yeah. prompts and stuff like that but I love sharing like funny ass yeah. yeah and also like the funny memes and stuff like yeah. that <laughs> I try to like be on top of like when I see things I'm like this has to go in the Facebook group I saw a Game of Thrones thing that I really wanted to put in there, but I was like, I wonder if people are going to be like, not you too, Weez, because it's so polarizing. I'm like, that is almost more polarizing than any, we've never posted a polarizing thing, but it would be Game of Thrones that like divided the group. Yes. But yeah, no, we have a lot of fun. Um, Congratulations to Weez on a year of podcasting. To you too, Trudy. Thank you. Um, And and from that, I know like from this amazing year, we, you know, and like building our relationship and realizing there was a lot of synergy, we decided to work smarter and not harder. And also like, you know, we're both comic book nerdies. Like we were like, oh, we're going to be like the Avengers. Yeah. We're going to come together and we're going to take our like individual programs and make this like master program working towards woke. Yeah. Which now that I think about it, like we came up with that idea in June started building it like july-ish august and launched it like fully ready to go full curriculum full everything like first cohort january so we're also celebrating our very first working towards woke cohort right like the completion of that the completion yeah yeah the first time through ended like it actually ended right around the same time that we would have we should have celebrated our one-year podcasting (laughs) but we were too busy to notice right right but yeah, so means we need a vacation. So that's for sure. Yeah. Um, that's coming. Yeah. So yeah. So we finished the first cohort of working towards woke. We had about 15 people come through the program. The goal for the first round was to start, was to have a small group so we can test the content. And Mm -hmm. so we were like, let's cap this, you know, keep it small, give a lot of attention and see, you know, what people's needs are and make sure that everything is the right fit. And I just feel so good about it. All the people who came through the program came open and Mm -hmm. like, you know, to really ready to go deep and like confront themselves and demonstrated so so much trust in the process. Um, That was just really humbling and wonderful. And a lot of trust in us because it's hard to walk into a space where you're committing ahead of time to 12 weeks of transformation. Yeah. So, so shout out to everybody that took our course, shout out ahead of time to anybody who's thinking about taking the one that launches in July. Yeah. Um, Cause we, it is not lost on us, right? We're coaches. This is what we do. And so the, the process of like the work and what that looks like, it, 
that amount of like effort and what's required to do it is not lost on us. And we yeah. just really want to acknowledge that because um, it's super important. But I think, I mean, we also learned a lot doing yeah. our first one. We did. And that's what we want to kind of talk about today. Some of mm-hmm. our lessons learned with one of them that is kind of weighing on both of our hearts, yeah. I feel like yeah. pretty heavily. So we'll, we'll do a deep dive into one of our lessons, but let's first um, but you have to listen to the whole episode to you hear. Do. That's how it works. Really, <laughs> that's how that works, y'all. That okay. is how that works. So what is the first, what's one of your big takeaways? Personal or like structural? Or? I would say structurally. Let's start okay. there. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's start there. So the first one that was like really obvious to me, and I feel like both of us pretty early in, initially we had a seven-week program and a 12-week program. Mm-hmm. And we, I think I would re- say I realized by like, kind of started to pick up on it week two, for sure. By week three, I was like, we should not have a seven week program in the future. And the reason for that is simply because seven, I mean, I think we're amazing. And the seven week program, like definitely like taught a lot and people learned a lot, but you start to see the beginning, like when we've been, when you do been doing something long enough and it's what you do, right? Like we would see signs of like something in week three where we're like, you really need to be in week 10. Like you really need to be here for week eight or nine or, you know, whatever, like the the remaining weeks. And then once we wrapped up, it became even clearer to us because everyone that was in that seven week program afterwards was still in need of support, was still reaching out, was talking about like, how do I do one-on-one coaching or how do I do this or or we had people extend like in week six, they were like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They were like, Oh my God, I really need to just do this full program. And I need the, like the full experience and like every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that would, that's my, one of my biggest takeaways is that one people actually need the full 12 weeks to be able to have their eyes kind of like the veil fully at least lifted Mm-hmm. Right. And then two, I almost feel like for us on our end as coaches, if we continue to often offer the seven week, it would be no knowing that we're doing a semi disservice to clients. And like, that's not how we operate. That's not how that works. Yeah. And so for us to really stay in line with like how we operate in our belief system, that's I'm like, okay, 12 weeks is the only option. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's funny too, because we, what we thought was that seven weeks would be a good option for people who maybe they weren't coaches. Cause we know a lot of people listen to the podcast and kind of follow right. us online and not everybody is a coach. A lot of people yeah. are just on a journey of personal development on themselves. And half of the course does get a little bit technical and there's still a lot of stuff there that just applies to regular, even if you have a job, if you work with anyone in any context really applies so I was surprised that we actually even in the first place decided that we would do seven, a seven week program, especially given that you had done work with people before and mm-hmm. you knew that it took longer. And mm-hmm. I had run a group, a six week group program and knew that that wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And we still, I think, I think we were really trying to um, just be in service. And, and I, th- I think that, you know, we, it came from a place of really wanting people to have a low barrier to entry, like just kind of come participate. Because I think it's important to note that we had people reach out to us and say like, I'm not a coach. coach. I don't own a business. I'm not a this. I'm not in human resources. I'm not in leadership. Um, Can I take the program? Can I take the program? And also I think that there's something different. Like when people are coaches or they're in leadership, they understand the, like it's already ingrained in them that you need to get coaching or you need to go to conferences or you need to be constantly doing this like 
right? Like the education, the work, the personal development. So for people that it was normal, 12 weeks was like, oh, duh, no problem. For people that this was brand new, but at least were committed and they were reaching out to us. So I think part of it, exactly like you said, part of it was us saying like, okay, well, how do we accommodate these people? And we only had a few, like in all fairness, you know, we didn't have that many seven weekers, but it really, yeah, it was us saying like, how do we turn away these people that are saying, I think you're the right fit for me. I think you're the right coach for me. And I really want to do this. But mentally, my barrier is like the 12 weeks or that I'm not, I don't see myself in one of these roles. And that's where that seven week program came from. Because when we were brainstorming on the walls of your office in Connecticut, seven weeks wasn't even a thing. We'd already built everything and launched it. And people asked, and then we were like, okay, how do we accommodate? So, but I think we've learned that it is actually ends up being a disservice because obviously we've serviced everybody after the seven weeks in the way that they did. Yeah, we left everything whole. Yeah, of course. Like we didn't just leave anybody out there. Um, but it's definitely like just one of those things where it's like, okay, this program has to be 12 weeks. Yeah. You know, seven is just not enough. Yeah. And 12 uh, is just the beginning. Yeah. That's just a good tip framework, beginning framework. Yeah. Um, so What's one of the thi- one of the things that I learned um, with regard to a time and commitment was that people really need, we, that we needed to build in a one-on-one session for everyone who comes into the program Mm -hmm. because everyone needed it anyway like you know most of the people most people in the program um there was an option to kind of get a couple of private sessions and the people who had private sessions their growth was just so much yeah like and it gave people an opportunity to have like practical application in their specific context Mm -hmm. um and to me the benefit of that is so great for the, especially compared to the amount of effort that it takes to provide. Um, like it's just a, a big bit. It's like the impact there is just huge. Absolutely. Yeah. So moving forward, we've decided that everyone who joins a program will get like a one-to-one session, you know, with one of us so that right. they can, like, after, after a few weeks of being in the program so that they right. can like start to integrate some of the, con- uh, the concepts and the learning into their context. Right. Like to be used between week four and 11. Um, Yeah. Yeah, totally. Something like that. And you also just see even just beyond the like personal application of whatever their situation was in terms of like strategy or their life or whatever, even Mm -hmm. just the personal emotional growth of people who had the opportunity to on a one-on-one basis, like put all of their stuff out there into the space and have somebody like hold that for them and guide them through that and like really take them through the process on their own time on their, right? Like, cause there is something really special that happens when you're getting one-on-one coaching group programs are phenomenal, but yeah, that was really crucial. And so it only made sense for us to add it. And then I think the other one related to time was that the length of our calls got, Mm -hmm. we increased the length of our calls and kind of took what we thought might be two groups of people made it one group um, mm-hmm. and kind of co-facilitated the group mm-hmm. and then moved from an hour coaching call to an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really good decision on our part to extend the amount of time for several reasons. Right. Um, but as we were talking earlier, you know, that's something that a lot of people feel like they can't do. Yeah. Mid program. Right. Um, well, And I think it's because like, that's what we're taught, right? Like the coaching industry is like, you have to have your program and it has to be professional. And these things are unprofessional and you seem you're like, you're unprepared and 
you know, that, that I know for me at least used to ring true, but I, but obviously I've worked past the narratives that I've been taught and what professionalism or whatever looks like. And we get to create what we want to create and make changes the way we needed to make changes for our clients because the coaching industry isn't about the coach. It's about the client. Well, it should be. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that's well a whole separate. Well played. But the, that, that, so it, it really is. But that was like, that was our thing again, like st- maintaining like how we coach and our belief system and how we believe, like how much we believe in coaching and the power of coaching and the process. It's like, okay, this, yeah. this is the need. This is how we best serve this community. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to do it. And I'll say, so no one gets mad. I'm not saying that coaches are like, self-centered like that's I, the majority <laughs> of coaches the majority of coaches that I know and have that I have worked with have actually been very client-centered I think that there are cases especially when you get like to really big platform people where things start to get corporate like for lack of a better word like there are co- there are coaching organizations that are very corporate mm, 100%. Um, you know what I mean and so like you, that's just what you get when you move to scale and at that level and become more corporate and formal, right. those are some of the things that just start to show up. So right. 100%. That's, all, that's all I mean. Um, and I think, so the last one for structural, and then we get to get into the, like the, the juicy good, I mean, this is all juicy and it's good. It's all juicy. The meat of it, <laughs> like just the conversations that we keep having. So I think we, so we knew that, you know, like having an affinity group, so like just doing white and white passing folk by themselves, we knew that like that was necessary and we've talked about how it's like really been affirmed for us right yeah um through doing that and subsequently which is why in july like our next iteration of this is going to have you know working towards woke for like white and white passing folk and then shades specifically for people of color right and like we understand the systems are different the experiences are different the learning is different the pedagogy is different the language like and that too is because we've had folks of color ask us if they take the program. So we're really trying to be responsive to Mm -hmm. the audience and the needs. And responsible. Um, And and responsible, right. It would not be responsible to just be like, oh yeah, just join the next cohort of working towards woke. Just just come on over. Um, It's, yeah, that wouldn't be responsible on our part. Mm -hmm. And because both of us are clear that the, some of the content that we intentionally bring up in that program, mm-hmm. if you have a mixed, like a lot of people with mixed identities in the same room who are not in the same place in their journey, mm-hmm. the, the potential for harm is significant. Yeah. It and just so makes my chest we don't want to put, I mean, not only do I not want to facilitate, like I, I oh, no. that kind of, a, it's irresponsible to create that kind of environment. Exactly. A hundred percent. I mean, I think it's always irresponsible. <laughs> right? And I believe in mixed group work. I will say that. I like there yes. are. And the design of what you do with people is critical. Like the process that you bring people through together yes. in diverse spaces and affinity group spaces is different. Which is why we say we have to be intentional when you create space and you mm-hmm. have to be intentional to maintain the safe space, the space safely. And yes. off top, number one, number one rule in the book is if I'm going to take white folk through their burden of white supremacy, and I'm going to take people of color through their burden of marginalization, they cannot possibly 
grow. You, you cannot put the oppressed and the oppressor in the same room and expect evolution on either side. Not in that context. Not, not, not in this context. context. Yeah, yeah. Not, not in this context, right? And so it's, it's like asking somebody to bear the ugliest parts of their soul, knowing that those ugly parts of themselves have harmed the people on the other side of the room. And right, and saying, everyone's in that room but together. everyone's in that room. So it's like, yo, like that's so harmful. First of all, that's harmful for the people who have- It's harmful for everyone. You know, like on both sides, like- you're just, you're literally like, ooh, wood, mm, lighter fluid, match. Especially Let's when do people don't have prior relationships, right? Like, oh yeah. I think that's a, a, an important part of this is like, um, yeah. You, there, I have facilitated programs with people who, you know, mixed identity people who bear parts of themselves, but typically there's some kind of previous relationship they work right. together yeah. they are there's already an investment together. in their humanness right exactly their, like a, exactly. a built relationship yeah there's a, when you just put strangers in a room together like that's just it's just different work it's different work and there are people who do yeah. that work uh-huh we know that the, we, we're not saying it's not done we're saying that the work we, we do right. and the way that we we facilitate do. and the content mm-hmm. and curriculum that we have designed mm-hmm. would not be appropriate in that context. Correct. That's be exactly what we're saying. I want to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so with that kind of thought in mind, and I want to, so I want to say this first, we always talk about the need and the necessity for creating spaces for people of color. First of all, just creating space in general and yes. creating safe space. Not, and for anyone with a marginalized identity, not just people of color, but any marginalized identity, right? That, that's the whole point of accomplishment. Create the space, make it safe, right? Yeah. So, and I say that first because what we're going to talk about doesn't- Take ex- away from that. that. It doesn't make it not real. It doesn't make it yes. not true. And it doesn't excuse any of the harm that exists in our society that yes. necessitate the need for the creation of that space. Yes. So, so let us be that really clear. clear. Let it be clear. And I'm going to say it one more time. Say it again. <laughs> our core philosophy and our core interest is to prioritize and center the needs and experiences of people of color especially black women yes. who are like the folks who are at the farthest, farthest. margin, yep. right? The, the like, fringes of the margin. 100%. That is our core work. And in order to do that, we work with white folks, we work mm-hmm. with people of color, we work with corporations, we do all this other work. But our through line is about helping people to create these spaces mm-hmm. To, in order to center the needs of the people at the margins. So that, that is clear. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we need to say it a third time? No, I, I think that's so. good. I think, they, I think they get it. I'm just making you sure. If y'all didn't get let it, us know. <laughs> yes. Okay. With that With being that said, said, Trudy, can I ask you a question? Please. How do you feel about creating safe space purposely and intentionally for white folk? <laughs> so I will say, I will answer this quickly and then I will explain. Um, I feel like that's essential 
And I feel like creating safe space is essential for any single person that I work with ever in my entire life. Okay. And why is that? Because you cannot look, because when people talk about, and this is the big problem, right? And we're going to dig into this, that mm-hmm. safety is talked about in this like kind of binary thing. It's like you're safe or you're unsafe. Right. And that we need to like really step away from that kind of language, like mm-hmm. in general, because you cannot grow in environments that are unsafe. Like, okay, actually I will rephrase. You cannot grow in a healthy way. Mm. Mm-hmm in environments that are not safe, right? You can grow and change in all kinds of environments, but the ramifications of growth in unhealthy environments is a bunch of people with trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can look all around our lives and see examples of that. And so we're going to dig into all the parts of this, but I want to just be clear about where this is coming from. Um, There are a lot of people who have been having a conversation about whether or not is it like white people deserve to have safe spaces. And there are some people who believe that they don't deserve it. There are other people who believe they do deserve it. And this is not just like Rachel Cargill recently put a post on, on Instagram about it, but this is like a conversation that is happening, so happening in every since, sector. Yeah. 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 For years. Yeah. And in, in all kinds of contexts right. of diversity work in schools and corporations, like this is not a new. I w- yeah, I, I was just going to say, any, anywhere you have pockets of community, professional or personal, this is a conversation. That's People are having this conversation. Yeah. Yes. So what I want to say is that like, I, for, for me, I need to assume, I need to operate, in order for me to operate integrity, like as a coach, I need to be providing safe environments and safe doesn't mean comfortable, mm-hmm. right? Safe doesn't mean brave. Safe doesn't mean like safety is not the same as like coddling. Right. Like I think those are very different distinctions and that if we can see people's humanity and like understand that like everyone deserves to be safe. Yep. Right. And being that one of our core principles is equity, that people at the margins need more support support in place in order to achieve safety. Exactly. Right. And everyone deserves to just be safe. Right. Can we just get there? Like, can, can, I don't know. Like, I just wish that we could as a industry get there, like to a place where, okay, like we all deserve to be safe. Okay. Like let's build from there. Like, let's go from there. How right. do you, I don't know. How do you feel about it? No, I mean, I fundamentally believe the same thing because one of our second, like under the, our core belief of equity is, and you just spoke to it, is humanity. Yes. And so in order to one, be just a good coach, two, to truly believe in the work that we're doing as people and to sit in rooms where as women with marginalized identities, we are constantly facing whiteness, you have to hold on to the ideal and the, the principle that everyone's humanity deserves to be honored. Yeah. And so I'm never saying like, look past somebody's identities, right? Social identities are real, 100%. But what I'm saying is that while I understand the argument that like, well, we live in a system of oppression where whiteness is valued. And so all spaces are quote unquote considered safe for white people, right? Like that's the kind of like counter argument that you hear. Okay. We understand the system exists. 
we know that it is a thing. We know that white people are prioritized and are sitting on, you know, like ledges of privilege. We know all of this. Just mountains of privilege. Right, just mountains. mountains. All place. Right? Like piles and piles of privilege. I mean, yeah. And like we're the rest of us are just like in deeper ditches. Like we're not even just sitting on the ground. We're just then in valleys. But anyways. Um, to, to give you a picture. But so while I know all of that is true, that is a system. That is the society. That is our social fabric currently. Yeah. That doesn't mean that a human person right. who benefits from that system does not deserve to have their humanity acknowledged, especially when you are responsible for taking them through a process that requires honesty, openness, vulnerability, and the exposure of all of the things that one, probably create all of the, right? Like it's not probably, it creates the fear and the guilt and the shame and all of the other things that, that keep white people from doing the work. Yeah. Right. And then two, just like on a human level, like if I can't see your humanness, then I can't take you through a process. Yeah. If I can't meet you where you are as a human person, and then from the humanness, acknowledge all of your social identities around that, that inform your humanness and how you show up in the world, I can't take you through a fucking process. No, because they won't trust you enough. At all. Like, there, there won't be any trust. So like anything you say to them will just be like shut down. Like they'll just exactly. And, and I'm not no in the business of traumatizing be... or re-traumatizing people. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk, let's, let's, look at that like let's look at that for real because because if you if you don't have a container that is safe and you have people in your in your charge right like people that you are responsible for for teaching them and you're not just this this work isn't Wiz and i are not lecturers like we we are coaches we are digging in to deep emotional and psychological kind of constructs in people's minds right Right. and like in their lives and behaviors right right so we're at at that when you're working at that level with people the potential to to create long-term harm is high like is there the potential is there right Right. To, to bring someone to a place where they are vulnerable and to do something that damages you know that 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 is harmful, that has a lasting damage. And the way that I define it is this. If you leave my program and need therapy because of something that I've done, Girl. like that is, that, that's harm. There's the difference between harm and discomfort is if I make you, I'm going to make you uncomfortable and mm-hmm. you're going to be uncomfortable and then your comfort level is going to expand and you won't be uncomfortable anymore. Like you'll be okay. Right. You're, it's not going to be a lasting, that's, that's discomfort. Harm is I've done something that two weeks later you're still upset about, maybe crying about, like, again, you need to go to somewhere else to help to, to repair something that has happened, right? Like that harm, I, I look at it as like this kind of longer lasting thing, right? And, and I will also say this in that vein, if you are not coaching from a place of recognizing somebody's humanity, right, and you're causing that type of harm, you're also, you're really also causing a greater disservice to marginalized folks 
as well as the white individual, because what's happening is these white folk are then stepping into performative allyship. Mm -hmm. They're doing, they're performing the role of like the good white woman, the, the, because they're afraid, because they're afraid. They don't want to get called out in a, in an aggressive, negative way. They don't want to get bullied. They're literally intimidated by, and, and I'm not talking about like, Oh, like people of color are so aggressive. I'm not talking about that bullshit. That's different. I'm literally talking about, and we can take it outside of the conversation of equity. And when you look at like narcissists or you look at, right? right, Like abusers, abusers in any way that are emotionally or psychologically abusive. That is the reaction, right? The abuser is really creating a level of harm. That means that the person who is being abused starts to just, perform how they think this other person wants to perform them to perform without actually having any of it. They haven't been changed. Right. Right. So their core belief system, their narratives, their behaviors have not been altered. They haven't evolved. They've just learned and adapted to survive or perform in such a way that keeps them from being abused. Right. So it's a learned behavior in a really negative way. Yeah. And so as a coach, Right, granted, like right now we're talking about our coaching with white folks, so I'll bring it back to that. So as a coach who is coaching white folk, I don't ever want to cause harm in a way that one is going to just harm the human that I'm dealing with. But then the long-term effect of that is they're not actually stepping into accomplishment. I've reaffirmed their performative allyship. Right. Right. And in order to make sure I don't do that, I have to create a safe space authentically and genuinely. Right. Yep. Which is why we are not in the business of traumatizing people. Yes. And I would like to, if I may, add an asterisk because, mm-hmm. I, you know me, I always think about like, oh, someone might hear this and think we're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Creating safe spaces for white folk to like experience their, the, the process and truly like evolve. And, their, and, and process their identity and, yes, and their yeah, bias all, and their yes, racism. All of the things, right? Like what their whiteness means, the burden of white supremacy, how they're showing up in the world and like really move to that place to authentic accomplishment does not mean we're giving them permission to hide behind their white tears, does not mean we're no. giving them permission to hide behind their emotions because no. that's white fragility. It's not comfortable work. It's not. And I really want to stress that because I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm not going to lie to anybody. We do. We have tears in our program. And, but we create a space where people feel comfortable and safe in front of us and with their cohort reaching that level of emotion. And it is uncomfortable and they are upset. And, you know, people express that in different kind of ways and we work through it. And by the end of it, they've either had an aha moment or a breakthrough that is so impactful to how they really move forward, not only in the program, but in their life. And that only happens in a safe space. Yes. So we don't like see tears and all of a sudden are like, oh, we should back off. No, we'll give you your space, feel the feelings. And it's our job as professionals to then guide you through that. Right. In a way that's not coddling. And Co- like, exactly. Yeah. In a way that still holds you accountable. Right. In a way that still does require you to look, look into the mirror. We don't let you close your eyes and like no longer deal with it. I'm not going to placate you or coddle you. We're going to look at it. It's not going to be fun. Right. But at the end of it, you're going to be like, holy shit, like right. the evolution. I also feel like it's worth saying that we're talking about our context, right. you know, our, what we're talking about our work, you know, and our framework and like what we believe, right. Like our, our values, we do happen to think that 
you do need safety and trust in order to have the kind of growth that we're talking about. And again, and we've said this before around different themes, not everyone's a coach. And so you might have a teacher who's not a coach who has another, you know, another philosophy and they get to have that philosophy and that's their space. And so you, they on, get to yeah. do, and that's on them. And then you need to decide how you engage, how you engage with that. Right. So, and I think it's important for you to know what their philosophy is. Well, and that's um, why we say you like the same way you need to make sure you're working with the right coach and you're allowed to ask your coach questions to find out their philosophy and their pedagogy and those types of things. You get to ask anybody you're giving your money to for education, their process. That's why there's different types of learning systems. I mean, not a lot, but they're starting to be right. Mm -hmm. There's different types of systems. Yeah. And it's the same, like the simplest way I can explain it. Actually, one of my homegirls last night was like, and it's interesting because we talk about this all the time. Coaching is not something that is really talked about in communities of color because of every episode we've ever recorded before this, go listen to them. <laughs> but she asked me, right? Woman of color was like, yo, like what's the difference between what you do, like a coach and a therapist. Mm-hmm. And the simplest way I like explained it to her was, and granted different therapists and blah, 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 have their different systems. But a therapist is, is there to listen to you. Like, obviously they're taking notes. They're maybe reflecting your own reflections back to you. A coach is there to give you action items to really help guide you through a process of evolution. And so it's, I call it, I'm like, it's more interactive. And so even there, right. Some people are like, I don't want you. I just want you to listen. I literally just want you to listen to me and help me come to my own realizations. Cool. Hire a therapist. Somebody else might be like, no, I need somebody who's going to give me maybe like journaling prompts or additional resources or hold me accountable in a certain way or be more interactive and part right. of the process. Cool. Hire a coach. Right. right? And there, and are so, coach, there are therapists that use coaching techniques. Coaching. Exactly. So like, yeah. There, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of different yeah. modalities, but that is generally. That's yeah. 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 To be clear, people do things all sorts of ways. I know a therapist who's also a coach, like they do both. Yeah. But yeah. Like that's the kind of like quote unquote traditional, right. like. Linear. No, we don't. We that's like the linear traditional model. So I only use it as an example to say it's no different when you're doing this work. Mm -hmm. If you want to go be lectured at or lectured to, I should say, go be lectured to. Right. Cool. Right. That's that's if that's just read a book. You want to read a book? Read a book. You want to go to a roundtable? Go to a roundtable. Whatever you genuinely feel is going to help you. But if you want to move genuinely through a process, I do fundamentally believe in coaching right? If you just want to be educated, education and coaching look very different. And so that's why when I tell people, I'm like, we are educators, but we're coaches. We're coaches primarily and we educate and we do strategy and we, Mm -hmm. right? Like we do, there are modalities and part of, that's part of our pedagogy, but we're coaches. But okay, wait, I'm going to ask my next question in a second. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to flush out about this? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we've said all the things. So I just want to step out and say, do you feel in general in life that safe space, that white people deserve safe space? Do they deserve it? That's, and I'm asking because I know you mentioned Rachel Cargill. I didn't see her post. You told me about it. Yeah. Um, right. Shout out to Rachel Cargill. We tried to have her on our show, but she's busy. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, scheduling didn't work out. Anyways, um, but this overall, right, on the internet, people are a lot more loose with their language and a lot more direct and I think sometimes more harsh because there's not a human person sitting across from them. Yeah. And so that is the language that I hear all the time. Like I see it. 
or people will send me memes or tweets or tag me in things. And it literally will say like direct quote, why people don't deserve safe space or the whole world is safe for them. Fuck them. Literally. Like, yeah. So right? my push, my pushback to that is define is for people to define safety. Like, I don't exactly. think that people, I think a lot of people who use the word safe and safe space actually mean something different. Right. Like I don't like, I, so if someone were to say to me, I don't think white people deserve safe space. I would ask them, I would say, are you saying that white people deserve to be unsafe? unsafe. Like, is that what you're, and I don't think that most people would say that, like, I, or, or do they deserve to be harmed? Like, do, exactly. do, do white people deserve harm? Like, generally, like, is that what you're saying to me? And I don't know, I mean, there might be some people that say yes, like, that would probably make I mean, sense. you know what, I'm, I'm just going to jump in real quick because I do think that there are some white people who I wouldn't be mad at if they received harm. I think that's different. I, I know, but I would just I like that's a to, different statement. I would just like to, exactly. And so that's my point. I think right. that we need to be very clear about when we're talking about people who happen to be white and white people or like whiteness because white right. folks. So whiteness is different. So exactly. that's, and that's the, and that's, that's the difference. That's what I'm like. That's ultimately my point because when I see white people truly acting out their whiteness, I don't wish death on anyone, but like you could go to jail for your whole life. I wouldn't be mad. Right. right. For no crime other than your being whiteness. a white supremacist and, right. and truly believing in your whiteness because whiteness does equal harm to marginalized. Yes. Right. Those that is literally because what that's it a means. system. Whiteness exactly. is part of a system. Right. But white folk, just like white like individual people? people, like do individual people just deserve harm because they're no. white? No. That's a different statement. No, yeah. And I any but yeah. I think Go people on. don't realize that. So this is what like when we always talk about this, so you know the reason I asked this question is because I wanted to say this. Words mean things. Yeah. I'll say this, white folks don't deserve to be coddled. Nope. They don't deserve to be, um, what's the word I'm looking placated. for? Yeah, like placated or, um, I don't feel like we need to be careful. Right. You know, I don't they, need to I, cater to them. No, I don't, right. I don't, no, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve right. like comfort. Mm-hmm. No, they don't deserve like this, um, like badge of uh, like uh, you know like this special i'm an accomplice badge like they don't deserve like this extra thing right um and i think white folks need to enter spaces brave mm-hmm. right that's one of one of the organizations that i do some work with called recenter there they focus on like public schools they have these like five shifts that people need to make and one of them is that shift from um safe to brave like we need to get away Mm -hmm. from this idea of safety Safety. and really step into this idea of being brave right being brave means you're willing you're willing to put yourself in a position where you're going to hear the stuff that is super uncomfortable for you to hear yes you know Brave doesn't mean you need to put yourself in a position to be intentionally traumatized. Like, right. That's not, that's irresponsible. Like, I don't, right. And, and I'm a martyr, say, right? Because okay, that like. Exactly. Like I've said before, you know, like, oh, white folk, you don't, you don't get a gold star for putting the Black Lives Matter sign in your yard. Right. Like go jump in the front line of a protest, you know, next time you see the police, uh, you know, being violent. Now, do I literally mean that? 
I mean, well, sometimes I do because sometimes. They're, they're much more likely to actually shoot you. Actually, they won't. But I mean it figuratively. Right. You mean right. like do something. Do like, something. Yeah. Right. And so I want to make that clear because for people that follow us and are like, but we said in a post previously, just in case the figurative like yeah. aspect was lost on y'all, what we're saying, and this is literally what accompliship is about, is moving through a system so that you can get to a space of braveness, so that you can get to a space of commitment, so that you can get to a space of actionability. And being comfortable being and, uncomfortable. Exactly. And being comfortable knowing that shit might pop off sometimes. And that you might mess up. And you might mess up. And it's not always going to be perfect. But guess what? That's literally life. And that it's better than doing nothing. Exactly. Like as human people, we don't do things perfectly all the time. But the difference between somebody who is just generally harmful and somebody who's like an individual that values other people's humanity is that when, even if I like, mess up and a friend of mine is like, yo, you did X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. If I was a harmful person, I'd be like, "Mm, get over it, whatever. I don't care. Or like, I mean, I'm going to keep doing whatever I do. But as somebody who wants to honor other people's humanity and decrease my level of harm, I'm like, yo, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing my to my attention. What can I do differently? How can I change? How can I evolve? That's all we're asking you to do. We're not saying it's easy. We definitely don't make it easy, but we create a space that is not going to create harm or trauma while you're going through that discomfort. Right. And I do fundamentally believe that in the world at large, if we continue to buy into this, like white people don't deserve safety and like maintain it on that binary and continue using that language without a more evolved or intellectualized conversation, that all we're doing is continuing to replicate the system. And trauma and trauma but that's the, yeah, yeah, like like that's the yeah. whole system right like because then what happens is right. people of color are saying fuck y'all i'm now no longer recognizing your humanity right. you know versus we need to come to a place where everyone's humanity is being recognized because that's equity we do believe that we need white folk in that space yeah. to make it happen their voices no, are louder you. their actions are more impactful because that's what the, how the system was created oh right yeah 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 they're part of the they're part, they're of, the part of the solution they're part yeah. of the progression So for them to be part of the progression, their humanness needs to be acknowledged as well, right? Like you don't get to tell someone like, I'm a human, acknowledge my humanity, but also I don't care how you feel. I don't care about your humanness. So that's, that's how I feel. Cool. I think that was good. I don't think so. No, I think that I've said all I had to say about this. Me too. For now. For now, right? Who knows? I have other things to say at some other point. We'd love to know what y'all think. Um, join us in the Facebook group and let us know. Um, I'm interested in hearing like just what you're thinking about this conversation. Like what yeah. questions you have left. What if you have input, like if anything is striking you, like that kind of stuff, like a, a more, a deeper conversation. Me too. All I right. also just love hearing from y'all. Yes, we do. All right. All right. And we are going to be in Vancouver Oh, yeah. We're going to be in Vancouver. Uh, Well, we'll be there from like the 25th to the 30th, but we are doing a workshop in Vancouver, Allied to Accomplice, as well as like a QA. and a We're going to do some activities, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. On the 25th, um, the Eventbrite link is in our Facebook group, as well as in the link in our bio on IG, on Instagram. 
um, join us. It's going to be really dope. Also, you get to like hang out with us for two and a half hours in person. We're pretty cool. Yeah. You think so. we're fun on the podcast? <laughs> Wait till you meet us. We're a riot. <laughs> all right, y'all. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of That's Not How That Works. We hope you enjoyed the show and would love to hear what you think. So join us in the Facebook group, or you can also hit us up on IG at Not How That Works, and you can email us at hello at nothowthatworks.com. If you're a fan of the show, please, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It will help people find us. And remember, y'all, next time someone says, I'm a human, acknowledge my humanity, but also I don't care how you feel. You tell them that's not how that works.